You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos, I hate calling myself that, and underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Delirious Nomads, where we interview very, very special guests uh, about all things metal, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records and Metal Blade Records, and hosted by myself and Mr. Bacon Bits, Matt Bacon. Today we have a very, very special guest uh, with a 40-year history of uh, loving metal. Um, He may be one of the greatest guests we've ever had, uh, because today's guest is me. (laughs) uh matt is going to be throwing me some blind questions about all things metal today and i don't know if it's an interview or if it's if he's going to try and rapid fire me some things or what but today we're going to talk about why i love metal and how it started and how we got to this podcast so take it away mr bacon let's do it this is a great this is going to be a great one to confuse all the chopped fans yes (laughs) or in the words of my grandmother that Chris Santos guy seems so nice on TV. How can he listen to that horrible music? Oh, boy. <laughs> he thinks I'm handsome, too, right? She does. Yeah, she's always telling me to dress more like you. Well, I got a boxing t-shirt on today, so I don't know that that really fits you. But uh, you know. Anyway, so let's just kick this off, Chris. What was the first metal record you had that like blew your mind and made you go like, yeah, okay, this is it? Okay, that's a three-part answer, even four-part in a way. The first music that kind of blew me away was both Cheap Tricks Live at Budokan and Kiss Alive two or kiss alive i'm not sure kiss alive two is superior kiss alive just saying yeah i think it's probably kiss alive too so i was probably seven or eight years old and my older brother jay who does a and r for black light media records uh he had live at budokan from cheap trick and he had kiss alive too and i got hooked on that like at a really 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 young age and then when i was about 11 or 12 uh, there was this girl that i had a crush on that i had a crush on all through high school um, and she introduced me to Merciful Fate. Um, and I would go to her house after school and we would listen to Melissa and Don't Break the Oath. But she even hand wrote all the lyrics to all the songs. And I actually recently just found them um, in my closet. I was still, I'm still unpacking from moving to LA a year and a half ago. But um, my closet, which is right to my right, I found the handwritten lyrics to Don't Break the Oath uh, and Melissa. And I want to I wanna try to find, find a way to frame them or something. And then... 
that that was you know that was the record that definitely was like the gateway drug into metal but as far as the first record that really grabbed me it's it's actually probably going to surprise you and anyone that knows me but um that fir- very first metal church record um i when i, I remember on uh, in providence where I, where i grew up um or i grew up outside of providence but in providence the 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 rock station whjy they used to do uh, a metal show on saturday nights and I remember them playing a metal church song. And at that time, what I would do is I, I would actually record on a cassette each episode of the metal show and listen to it throughout the week. But nothing grabbed me like this metal church record. And I still think it's one of the most underrated metal records of all time. It's actually, it's interesting. I feel like metal church are weirdly underrated. Like, I don't know if you remember, like the first like really good history of metal is um ian christie's uh metal headbangers uh, metal headbangers guide or something yeah and he's like really in the metal church too and i feel like they're one of those bands that like and i'm not trying to like old guy you here but like they're one of those bands that like guys of your generation like definitely was definitely a lot more influential than they ended up getting credit for like down the line yeah i mean the first three records two with their with their original singer david wayne and then they brought in um mike howe from heretic uh for the third record um who had a totally different voice all those three records still hold up i still listen to them today yeah the problem with metal church was twofold one is after those three records they never really put out a good record again. They put out a record with a good song here and there, but they never put out a real fully focused effort, in my opinion. And then the other thing is Kurt Vanderhoof, the founder and lead guitar player and main writer, he didn't like to tour. So he, they'd write records, but they would go on tour without him. It was just all a little bit weird. But I saw them open for Metallica on the Master of Puppets tour. It was like the second show with Jason Newstead after the Cliff Burton tragedy. Wow. And it was still the full band with the with the original singer, David Wayne. And, and they were great, man. They, were, they held right up to Metallica, in my opinion. That was 1986. So my memory might, maybe I'm just being a little romantic about it, but love Metal Church. Yeah, that must have been crazy to see them like... Because I feel like that period of thrash metal was like still like legitimately dangerous and scary. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that must have been awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so then next up, what I wanted to kind of get into kind of on the flip side is what's your favorite like recent metal record? And you're not allowed to say a Blacklight record. Oh. Um, uh, and recent, I mean, in the last like three to five years. So I'm like grabbing my iPhone to see because I, I listen. I There's so much music. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Numenorion record, which I think we've talked about before yeah um is maybe my favorite rec- one of my favorite records of all time it it's 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 uh snuck into my all-time um probably top 10 uh the record wow. adore in 2019 um yeah it's probably my favorite record one of my favorite one of my top 10 favorite records it's like black metal but very atmospheric just just a just an incredible record from start to finish that would be one that i would say was recent um i would say rivers of nile uh where owls know where owls know my name now that they have a more recent record out on metal blade called the work um which is an incredible record um really it's incredible songwriting but for me where owls know my name is just like another top 10 top 15 record of, of all time um so i would go with those two probably now you're talking about your top 10 what's your favorite metal record ever and is that different from your favorite record ever well snap yeah probably my favorite record ever is probably i mean they're metal too but my favorite record ever is probably white pony by deftones okay but 
my favorite record of all time. I mean, how can you go? How can you go against Rain and Blood? I don't know. It's yeah, no, me too. Like that's it. I, I don't know how to. I don't know how to vote against Rain and Blood. I mean, I could. I could throw a Gojira record in there. I could throw a Metallica record in there. But like, nah. Rain and Blood's got to be the the my all time favorite metal record, and White Pony would be my favorite record, even though that's still kind of metal. Yeah, but it's not. Yeah, there's just enough stuff in White Pony that's not metal that I can't call it a full metal. Sure, I would agree. I have this because I was looking at Rain and Blood on my list of records I wanted to ask you about, and I was thinking about I have this really silly memory of being. One of the first times Trevor from Black Dahlia and I hung out like during COVID, we were neighbors and like spent a lot of time together. And one of the first times I was at his house, I remember we just listened to Rain and Blood together. Oh, we were like little kids, just like air drumming. And I remember his girlfriend look at the time looking at us and being like, the fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is who I hang out with. You know, I just had a thought. I don't know that White Pony is my favorite record, although it's it was the one that came to mind. But the real thing by Faith No More is just tremendous the real thing by faith no more is the only record i can ever remember the way i came across it was i was at a rock club in providence rhode island called the living room for some metal show i can't even remember what the show was but the room was packed and no it was uh, Soundgarden was playing but um it was in between bands and the house dj or the house mixer guy put on the real thing and by like the second song i was like you know it was really loud and everybody was talking and i was like shh I was like, what is this? What is this? And by like the fourth song, I went and found the guy and I was like, what is this? And he told me what it was. That happened to me there. Um, there's a band called Transport League from Sweden that has some killer records, just another super underrated band. And they have a pretty large catalog. I would say they have probably like six full lengths. Um, one of my all time favorite bands. I, I heard them um in a record store in paris and again had that same kind of moment where i just stopped in my tracks and went up to the guy at the then was like who is this and told me it was transport league they put out several amazing records that i listen to to this day uh do you have you do you know them matt transport league i do not i'm gonna i made no already listen to them yeah you gotta check them out i'm gonna tell you one in one second the guy's voice tony jelenovich is great they've only they only played one show in the united states ever and it was at this tiny little banquet hall in new jersey and i was there that's awesome uh satanic panic and super evil are their two best records super evil came out in like 2001 satanic panic came out in 2004 but they put out records as recently as 2019 but um but super evil and satanic panic are again definitely top 10 15 records of of my life and nobody knows who they are. That's awesome. So I put together kind of a list of records I know you like, you know, so I wanted to kind of run through a bunch of them and just talk, talk through, talk about records. Okay. So let's start with a record I think has a really deep personal connection for you, which is Huntress's Spell Eater. Oh, geez. Yeah. So, oh gosh, what a great record. So Huntress is a, what was a great band um, led by Jill Janis. Uh, who had a four octave range, but she was just an incredible stage presence. She worked so hard on stage. Uh, Blake, the lead guitar player, and, and uh, was was amazing on stage. Um, Eli Santana, who's now the lead singer of Insight, was also in that band. They put out three records, uh, but Spell Eater was the first. A lot of witchcraft and sorcery, kind of in the lyrics, but Jill actually walked the talk she you know she she was a she was a practicing wiccan and just an incredible performer in general she also had a little all-star side band with nita strauss from alice cooper band and samantha maloney who played for motley Crue for a minute but unfortunately jill did uh take her life um 
I guess about four years ago now, or before years in August. And that was a shock to a lot of people, to everybody. Um, her memorial was one of the most moving things I've ever been to in my life. It was a, a Wiccan uh, memorial that was held upstairs at the Rainbow. But the record itself, Spell Eater, is just great. It's just, uh, it's kind of, I don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of thrashy. Um, it's got a little bit, like little touches of, like just sprinkles of black metal and old school galloping, like I would, I would say like Iron Maiden-esque riffs throughout the whole record. Um, and her voice just leading the way. This should, that's just the biggest voice. And there are a lot of great uh, female vocalists in metal um, now more than ever. But for me, Jill will always be the best. No, yeah, she definitely had a range. I actually re-listened to that record relatively recently. And I was like, wow, like there's range and there's fucking range. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's funny as, as I'm talking to you, I'm like, I'm like writing down like Transport League, Huntress, like bands I gotta, I gotta like get back into the rotation. Yeah, 100%. So much um, music that it's, you sometimes you forget how long it's been since you revisited an old favorite. Yeah, which is kind of the best part, right? Is like rediscovering things you loved. Yeah, for sure. Um, so continuing on sort of the new stuff, Harm's Way Rust. Yeah. So I really, you know, I you go through... Um, I think you get, well, you'll learn this because you're still very young, but as you get older as a metalhead, you go through phases, I think, where you like kind of, I'm, I'm at least, uh, I'm a genre skipper. I'm definitely not a one genre type of guy. Uh, I never, I never quite understood or understand those kind of fans anyway. I think if you like metal, you should love all things metal. I love glam and you know, hair metal. I love all the metals. Um, but I went through a phase for a couple of years where everything I was listening to was like post-hardcore, right? Like Orange Nine Millimeter and Quicksand and Helmet and, you know, all those bands. Um, and uh, and then I went through Junius, I guess you could kind of pop in there, who's another great, great band from New England. Um, but, you know, and then I've, I've, I've uh, you know... As I've gotten older, I've actually gotten into even more and more aggressive music. Like I've gotten into more black metal these days than ever. But a couple of years ago, I really deeply got into a phase, which I think I'm still in, uh, which is I would call that, you know, you'd call it hardcore, but it's too metal to be hardcore. But are we talking about bands like Code Orange, Knock Loose, Harm's Way, Blacklight Media's Capra, um, Alpha Wolf from Australia, Great American Ghost, employed to serve. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on, on. But I was kind of started that journey with Harm's Way and that Rust record. I just came across it. Um, matter of fact, they got signed to Metal Blade because I had heard some earlier stuff of theirs and I played it for Brian. And Brian contacted them and, and lo and behold, they were free. And it's one of the reasons why Blacklight Media came to be is because I was bringing Brian bands. And after he signed a handful of them, he was like, this is ridiculous. Let's do an imprint. Anyway, I digress. Um, Rust is just a killer record. Um, it happened to coincide with, um, you know, I've been on a pretty good health journey for the last few years where I've, um, whereas for a while there, I was, was not paying attention to my health. I was drinking far too much, eating far too poorly and weighing far too much. And um, I kind of discovered that rust record when I started to work out again. And it is the perfect gym. Uh, and not that I'm like this gym, like go to the gym and lift weights guy. I'm, I'm, I like to box uh, for my workout, but that harm's way record was like the catalyst for me working out. It got me, I would wake up and want to go to the gym just so I could blast that record and listen to it. Um, and it still, still is. It's still one of my big, my, one of my big workout jams. It's just heavy. Yeah. 
For sure. Another band that I think that I wanted to get into with you was um, Avatar. Uh, and I believe the record that you got into with them was Hell the Apocalypse. Is that correct? No, Black Waltz. Black Waltz. Black Waltz. Okay. Which was, uh, I think, the one right before Hail the Apocalypse. I don't remember how I found them, but when I did find them, um, they had they had already produced so many great videos for the Black Waltz record. And I remember that um, after work, I would go to my, I had an office across the street from, from the, one of my restaurants. And after work, I would have, I would invite different friends over on any given weekend night and we'd get a, like, you know, a 12 pack of beer and a bottle of whiskey, go to my office and I'd be like, you got to check this band out. And I'd run them through all the Black Waltz videos and all their previous videos. And I would do that with my best friend, Dave. And then the next week I would do it with my chef and metalhead Derek. And the next week I would do it with someone else. It was like literally every weekend I was bringing guys to my office to drink and just watch Avatar videos. That's awesome. Yeah. And so they've they've become one of my favorite bands. They've definitely, you know, they are super, what's the word? Productive. They put out a lot of, they've put out a lot of records in a short period of time. Um, Each record has its own identity. Um, I've gotten to know them really well. Um, I got to spend a few days in the studio with them when they were recording their last record. I cook vegan meals from them for them whenever they're in town. Uh, they're the nicest guys, all vegans, the entire the entire band crew, everything. Um, and one of the best live acts you'll ever see. Um, they just put on such a great show. They're so committed to the um, characters, so to speak, that they play. Yeah, um, they're awesome, super awesome. If anyone if anyone need, wants to get hooked on Avatar. Like go to a show, don't even get a record, just go to a show. And I guarantee you, you'll be a fan for life. That's what I've heard about that band. They've definitely like polished it in a really cool way. Yeah. I brought um, a friend of mine to see them just recently here in LA at the Wiltern, Josh, who is the drummer for the Nita Strauss band. And he had not, he had not, he'd heard of them, of course, but he just never heard them or seen them. And so I said, Hey, I'm going to see them at the Wiltern. I got a plus one. You want to come? And at the end of the show, he was just like, Oh my God. Thank you so much. I cannot believe I've been sleeping on this band for so long. Like they're so amazing. Um, so yeah, they were, they're, they're just a great band. Absolutely. Then to kind of go back into some earlier things, I know you like, can we talk about Candiria's Beyond Reasonable Doubt? Is that the right Candiria record to ask you about? Well, I mean, it's, you know, I love that record. Um, that record's, you know, when they were kind of doing what they really are most known for, which was that sort of mashup of, of jazz um, and metal. The songs I want to hear most when I see Candyria live, but it's probably not the best, the, my favorite record when I want to hear Candyria. When I want to hear Candyria, I want to hear um, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger, which is kind of their quote unquote, it was their commercial record where they did an MTV video and they lost a little bit of the, their original following. But for me, it was much more personal because of my relationship with the guys and with Mike MacGyver and John Lamacchia specifically, because they had had an awful car wreck uh, or van wreck where uh, they were all hospitalized, um, some near death for a while. And they wrote this record out of the wreckage of that. And they and literally the cover of the of the of the record is is their total van. You know, Johnny was in the hospital for three weeks and their drummers was never able to tour again. And the songs on that record even though they're a little bit more straightforward and like I said, over commercial for them uh, and then lost them, maybe some fans, uh, the songs and the lyrical content and knowing what they came back from is kind of my, makes it my favorite record for Candyria. Absolutely. Continuing on sort of more modern stuff, Amon Amarth, Twilight of the Thunder God. Talk to me. 
Um, Bonamarth is, uh, you know, I'd rather, rather than talk records, I mean, I love their records. And new, I'm really looking forward to the new one. And Brian Slagle um, has actually reached out to me on the side and said, wait until you hear the new Amanamarth, you're going to lose your mind. But um, the cool thing about Amanamarth was I did the May, I was on the Mayhem Festival in 2013, which I cannot believe is nine years ago now. But uh, that's when I met Huntress and Jill and we became such good friends. And, and one of the things that we would do every day is um, we did so many things. Uh, we would we would go on the main stage right before the bands would start and um, host the local guitar shredding contest. Um, and then we would bring up the Medal of Honor, which was we recognized um, someone in the military. Um, and then we would announce, then we would bring Amon Amarth on stage uh, to open up the main stage. And so at the very beginning of that, I didn't know those guys at all. But by the end of my three week stint, me and Johan were like best buds um, and we could communicate all the time. I love just I love seeing that guy. He is a true real life Viking, but also just such a nice guy. He has this great yoga practice and, and meditation practice with his wife. But then you get him up on stage and he's, you know, drinking beer out of his little Viking horn. And he's he's got that voice that, you know, it feels like he doesn't even need a microphone to project that voice. Right. They're a band where like. I like him on Marth. I don't like love him on Marth, but when I see them live every time, I'm like, this is fucking, this is it. Like, you know, do you know what I'm saying? They really seem to be getting better and better, which, which is incredible. Cause I think this is their 10th or 11th studio record. Um, they did a documentary too. And they actually included me, which was pretty cool. But yeah, that's really cool. So then I want to kind of switch into the classic stuff. We talked about kiss. I wanted to talk about uh, first and foremost, I want to make sure we have a snippet on, the record Delirious Nomads from Armored Saint. That is the uh, the impetus for this show. Yeah. Um, I have the, the original cassette right here. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, gosh. I'm looking at it right now. Um, I was a huge Armored Saint fan right from the beginning. Um, I loved, love, love um, Joey Vary's voice. Uh, I'm sorry. Jo- I'm sorry. He's the bass player. That's not right. <laughs> I love that we had that mistake on the show before. <laughs> I, know. I know. I love John Bush's voice. That like low kind of guttural tone, but it still has a lot of melody in it. And Delirious Nomads was just one of those records, one of those cassettes that as a teenager was always very, very close to, uh, you know, within reach. Um, There's certain records that I remember, again, cassettes. This is before records. This is before CDs. Um, There were certain cassettes that, I, you know, I would arrange them in my room, like which ones I'm going to listen to probably more than others. And and so Armored Saints, Delirious Nomad, Fate's Warning, Awaken the Guardian, um, Anthrax, Spreading the Disease, Dark Angel, Darkness Descends, you know, Metallica, you know, uh, Ride the Lightning. Those, those were the, my go-tos, Sly, obviously Slayer, Rain and Blood. Those were my go-tos. So they had their own separate stack. And then all the other cassettes had their, their other stack. <laughs> That's awesome. Tell me more, because like you've kind of casually referenced this on the podcast before and in like conversation with me. Tell me more about your high school bedroom, because it sounds like it was like an 80s metal haven. Yeah, I have a couple of photos laying around somewhere. Um, the cool thing, so it had this really horrible, like, I don't even, I don't understand. I, I should ask my mother. It was this really horrible, like fluorescent yellow and lime green pattern wallpaper, but which was just so horrid that I just covered up every square inch of it that I could with like, you know, cutouts from Hit Parader and Kerrang and God, what, what were the other magazines of the day? Um, cream and gosh, metal, whatever. So it was mostly, it was, it's, it, there was like a, there was like a transfer because it started with mostly with like rat and Motley Crue and 
that kind of stuff. Um, and then it kind of started kind of, I started taking that stuff down and putting like Queensryche and Armored Saint. And then that stuff started to come, come down and move over. And that's when I started putting Slayer and Metallica and Dark Angel and Possessed. And so I think it, it depends on what grade I was in. If I was in like eighth or ninth grade, it was glam metal, 10th grade and on, it was, you know, Merciful Fate and Slayer and Dark Angel. I saw Dark Angel and Possessed when I was like 14 years old. And That's insane. the two things that stand out were that the singer of Dark Angel blew his voice out and he threw his microphone stand and stormed off the stage. And Gene Hogan sang the rest of the set while playing drums. And then when the show was over, there was a massive brawl with a bunch of bikers. And I was just like, I just was like, like kind of up against the wall, just trying to stay out of the way. I was a 14 year old kid, but just also kind of like, you know, the memes were like eating the popcorn. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't Fair. scared. From, I wasn't scared. I was like totally, it was such an adrenaline rush. Like this is, this is what heavy metal is. Yeah. And so that was another, that was another coming of age. Like I'm hooked on metal moment. That's awesome. Uh, let's just run through some classic thrash then since we're kind of on that note. What's your favorite Exodus record? I mean, either the new one or Bonded by Blood. Bonded by Blood is a classic record, um, obviously. Another just all-time great thrash record of all time. Um, but I'm really into the new record. It's got riffs. Like, a lot. I agree. It's got riffs on, riffs on riffs and great songs. And the band's never sounded better. The singers never sounded better. It's just great. It's just really great. Yeah, no, it's definitely one of those records that really speaks to like Gary Holt is just like a one of a kind goddamn force. And here's an hour of Gary Holt riffs. Fuck you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? But with that gravelly vocal over it, you know what I mean? Which is so dirty. Yeah, that snarl. So good. Um, okay, what about um Sepultura? Were you a roots guy? Yes, absolutely. Uh they're actually playing here. Um, the new lineup or the newest the newest lineup is playing. Well, it's not a new lineup anymore. I don't know why I'm saying that. Um, the Derek Green led Sepultura. Pretty sure he's been in the band longer than Max at this point. Probably, yeah. <laughs> They're playing it soon with Sacred Reich, and I'm, I'm hoping you know. But definitely, you know, uh, love the old stuff, love the roots. Me and Jeff Blanchard from Lucky 13 and John Lamaki from Candiria just ate at a restaurant called Brooklyn Roots. And because we're in our late 40s or 50s, but we're still like teenage knucklehead metal heads we're driving to the restaurant going roots brooklyn roots <laughs> all the way to the italian restaurant That's like, awesome. it's... <laughs> stupid it's stupid is what it is but it's fun that's fucking rad. More thrash. Let's keep it up. Um, so you mentioned Sacred Right. What's your favorite Sacred Right record? Surf Nicaragua, probably. Okay. Although the American Way was pretty good too. I mean, they're both great. They're a great live band. I saw them with Flotsam and Jetsam probably in like 1986. And by speaking of Flotsam and Jetsam, they just released a new record, which is like their 15th or 14th. Yeah, they never stopped. And it's good. It's really good. Blood in the Water, I think it's called. I just got it. I love when you see like those classic metal bands who like didn't stop in the 90s and just have a huge discography. Yeah. Blood in the Water. It's like three or four records you never heard, heard, but they're all sick anyway. And you're like, wow, okay. Like it's really, really good. Eric AK can still can, can still sing. Um, it's so funny because when they started, if you go to like YouTube and you go to Doomsday for the Deceiver, which is the 1986 record that they did with Jason Newstead, um, which led to Jason 
being discovered and, and, and joining Metallica. If you look at videos of them performing those songs, they're like, that's a thrash album, but their hair is all teased and they're all wearing makeup and they're all like doing like the synchronized guitar movements and stuff. And it's just really funny to see the mashup of like hair and glam with like a, with like a thrash metal band and they made it work. They don't do that anymore. I don't think. I, yeah, but it's, it's definitely like very, I really enjoy like digging into sort of like that very weird period of like 82 to 85 mm-hmm. where like there it was just metal. There was no like, this is glam and this is thrash and never tell the two meet. Right. Do you know what I mean? It was just sort of like, so. Uh, you could probably fill one of these 35, 40 minute podcasts by doing nothing but naming the subgenres of metal. Yeah. Like I would name one and then you would name one and then I would name one and then you would name one before you know yeah, we had a time. We used to play this game on tour where, like, I would say a band, and then, like, you'd have to say a band that started with the last, the last letter of the band I just said. The last letter. So, so give me an example. So, like, if I say Metallica, you have to say ACDC, and then I have to say Kira Thungle, and then you have to say Led Zeppelin, and I have to say, uh, I don't know, um, Nightwish, and then you have to say Hate, <laughs> and then I have to say Exodus, or you have to say, yeah, then I would say Slayer. Right. And I would say rat. This is a fun game. Yeah. And then and then it's a great game. And then there's like bonus points. If you can like pull out something like really weird. Like if you say rat and I, instead of saying like, I don't know. Um, instead of just saying a name that begins with T, you could say TT quick because rat ends with two T's. Exactly. And then if I came out with like, Ooh. you know, Camelot or something like whatever, it's a good game. We'll uh, TNT. We'll play the game. Next time we're waiting for something, we're going to play that game and everyone's going to think we really have like some sort of mental issue. It's going to be awesome. It's actually be, <laughs> actually be fun to do with our guests for the last five minutes of the podcast. Yeah, it was one of the very dumb tour games we used to play. The other was called Who Has Better Eyes? And we would look at signs off in the distance on the highway and see who <laughs> could read them first. I used to kidnap Phil Demmel and I had my own tour bus and I would kidnap Phil Demmel every night and we would stay up the, pretty much the whole bus ride drinking and we would play Name That Tune on an iPad, iPod uh, for 20 bucks a song. But literally, it was like just passing the $20 bill back and forth. Like almost never did someone ever walk away with more than like 20 or $40. Um, but those we did that. That's awesome. That's so like, so actually speaking of Phil Demo, so this is Phil Demo. This is what I wanted to ask you about. Last, last album, uh, I know it's a favorite of yours. Machine Head, Burn My Eyes. Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, early Machine Head, first couple records were just tremendous and 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 live they still are i think they're a polarizing band i think rob flynn maybe rubs people the wrong way a little bit and i know that he kind of branched out a little bit and did like a little new metal thing in the early 2000s or whatever but i think that they you know their their body of work you know um in general is as strong as you know any band of of that sort of genre and burn my eyes is probably the best record that they ever put out i mean when they are on the songs that are the best machine head songs you can you could argue are some of the best metal songs ever ever written yeah no i think that rob flynn is just an incredible like self-promoter yeah and that's obviously gonna like fuck with some people but i don't know yeah um he's a super cool dude but i'm just saying like from what i read it seems like he can be a little polarizing but I think the guy's a genius. He's got Logan back in the band now, which is cool. And uh, Phil's doing his own thing. I mean, Phil's doing everything. Yeah, no, he's become that guy. Violence. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that's, you know, 
40 minutes of the guy from Chopped talking metal. <laughs> I could do this again and again and again. So no, this was fun. This was one of our more fun episodes. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week. We'll be back with a very special guest. That is not me. That is not Chris next week. All right. So that was awesome. Thank you everyone out there for listening to Delirious Nomads sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more. And above all, keep it heavy. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.